<clears throat> when you stand with those people in that place, it does two things. It tears your guts out, and it gives you hope all at one shot. I've been reading a book recently written by a friend of mine, Mark Batterson, called All In. And the first story is about 100 years ago, missionaries who went to the hard places would pack their clothes in coffins because it was a one-way trip. And a fellow went to the New Hebrides in, in the South Pacific, island nation, and um, everybody before him had been killed. And he went thinking that might happen, but it, it didn't happen, and he... And he shared the story of Jesus and lived out his love among these people for 35 years. And when he died, they buried him in the center of the village and put up this marker that said, when he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. And when I see these folks, that's the kind of feeling you have. Just before I start my thoughts for this morning, I'd like to thank you for the prayers for my wife, Ruth. It's been five months since, since she suffered sudden cardiac death, essentially died and came back. And her brain, which is what you worry about in that sort of thing, brain deficit, her brain is 100% and her energy is 95%, which means she can tell me what to do, but she can't quite make me do it. And so... <laughs> But she was, she was here this weekend, she was here last night, but, but thousands of you prayed for, in, in those days particularly, for a long time, and we just wanted to say thank you for the grace of God expressed through you. Thanks a million. This is, uh, this is the Big Ten, like not the football Big Ten. This is, this is the Ten Commandments, and we've had six of them all, all, already. And we're working backwards like David Letterman, you know, countdown. And we're on, we're on the fourth commandment. And when I got this as my sort of assignment in the mix, I'm thinking, oh, man, why did I get remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? Why couldn't I have one that's like simple, like don't commit adultery? I mean, that's straightforward. But the Sabbath has all this interesting stuff around it. The Old Testament, the New Testament, is this the law, is this grace? What do you mean by Sabbath in a frenetic society like ours? But the key question I want to address this morning is this. How do our lives work? Sabbath relates to that. How does my life work? So if you'll uh, look on the screen or turn in your Bibles to Exodus, the 20th chapter, this is how it reads. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Well, that comes out of the creation account found in Genesis, the second chapter. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work he'd been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Literally, the word work in that context means to create. So that's the model. That's the template. And if we're going to observe Sabbath, there are some questions about that. And there are these three. At least these are my three questions. Why do we do that? Two, when do we do that? And three, how do we do that? 
Let's look at the why. Point one is this. It's in your notes. The, the, the very idea of Sabbath is practical. One of the reasons, one of the things I found out about this God we serve through Jesus is that he's eminently practical. He's just not theoretical or philosophical, but he speaks stuff that works in our lives. In the creation of the world, when you read about it in Genesis 1 and 2, it's cyclical. It has seasons. It has a morning and an evening, the first day, the second day. And then there's sort of a pause where it says, and God looks at it and says, that's good. The designer knows how the things and the people, the creatures that he has designed, he knows how they are supposed to work. Sabbath at its core is for stopping something and doing something else. It's about recalibration and pause. Now, intuitively, all of us know this. I'm not telling you anything new. We all know we need pauses. Otherwise, it doesn't work right. I mean, parents know this with little kids. Take a nap. You, you need that. Primarily so I can take a nap. You need to take a nap. <laughs> or if it's a teenager, you're saying, wake up. Uh, <laughs> teachers know they do recess. Writers know they get writer's block if they sit in front of the screen too long or the pen and pen. So they get up and walk. Architects know they need to walk away from the stuff, get a better view of it or, or approach it in different ways. I have a friend who's the former head of the design group at University of Illinois School of Architecture. And he came when I was president of this small college and he designed a campus for us. He came for a week and he would get up in the morning and walk around the campus when the sun was coming up and he'd walk around it at noon and then he'd go away and take a break and come back and walk around it in the evening. I said, why do you do that? He said, you need to take breaks. You need to see it at different times. And as you walk around, the land starts talking to you saying, put a building here. So architects get it. The medical community for sure gets it because rest equals healing. Athletes know it for the same reason. Farmers know it because the land needs to rest. You let fields lie fallow or you switch out the crops because of the nutrient base. When I was a kid growing up in Oakland, California, we used to do devotions at our house, not regularly, but once in a while. And I used to like to read those Psalms that had that word in it where you come to the end of the end of the paragraph and it says Selah or Selah because it, it felt like I was talking a foreign language and then I got older and found out I was talking a foreign language that was like Hebrew and it's what they, they used to, all the Psalms are songs, they would sing these on the steps of the temple and when, it, when Selah came you either changed the key or paused or took a breath or went to the next step it, it's a Selah moment and Selah is sort of a hint at Sabbath uh, music. Those of you who are musicians, you know you have a score of music, and along the way you have notes, but then you have these pauses. And sometimes the pauses are as significant as the beat of the music or the note that is being played. We call those pauses rests. Let me just do something for a moment. Why don't, on the count of three, let's all just take a deep breath and let it out. This isn't like a yoga class or anything. I'm just, okay? One, two, three. That's what Sabbath feels like. Sabbath feels like <clears throat> a relaxing of ourselves. <clears throat> Even in my speaking, the way I speak, it, it, it isn't sort of traditional. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not very oratorical. I'm more of a talker. I'm not a preacher. I'm just like a talker. 
And, um, and the way I speak, I'll speak for a few moments rapidly, and then I'll stop, and I'll say a few words and stop. And many of you know that from about age 5 to age 28, I was a severe stutterer. And so to manage my stuttering, I got in this rhythm of speaking rapidly and stopping. And, and so when I went to graduate school and took public speaking, I got high marks in the effective use of the dramatic pause. And <laughs> I was just trying to keep from stuttering, but apparently they thought that was cool to have those pauses there. Historically, we know that Sabbaths are good practically. Uh, just north of town here is the Overland Trail. That's part of the, of the way west back in the 1800s. 500,000 people went west to Oregon and California. 50,000 of them died along the way. And there were several different trails. But there were two trains, two wagon trains that left St. Joe, Missouri, which was the jumping off place, about the same time. The one that went on the northern route took a, short, a shorter uh, direction. The northern route was a shorter direction. And then there was a group that took the southern route, which was quite a bit longer. These folks decided to press through because they wanted to not get caught in the snows of the Sierra Nevadas when they got to California. And so they were pressing. And so they just kept pressing day after day. The southern route people took a Sabbath. They took one day off to rest the animals, to collect buffalo chips for the fire, whatever they do, they, to, to uh, sit around the campfire and play the banjo or to hunt meat, whatever they did. But it was different than what they did going forward. This group, within two or three weeks, they were bickering and fighting with each other. The animals were going lame. The wagons were breaking down. The southern group that went the longer route got to California a full month earlier than this group. We are designed for Sabbath. Animals, land, people. We are designed for Sabbath. But why... Point two is that Sabbath is rest. This is a real simple outline, by the way. Sabbath is rest. I called a friend of mine in Texas some years ago and said, Alan, how you doing? He laughed and said, I'm good, Dick, but I'm hurrying so I can hurry some more. How many of you feel like that? Don't raise your hand. But it's, it's just so frenetic in our culture and the things that we get, the electronics, to be more efficient, make us busier. I wake up in the night sometimes and check my email. Now, can you, can you all say spirit of dumbness with me? No, I just... But this is one of my favorite Psalms. Psalm 23, many of you know it by heart. The Lord is my what? Shepherd. I lack nothing... King James says, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He restores my soul. This is in Hebrew. When they translated it to the Greek, the two words that they used for this phrase are psychotherapuo, the, the root verbs for psychotherapy, the stuff we pay big, big money for. This is the, the core of restoration of soul is found in Psalm 23. He guides me along the right paths or his holiness for his namesake. He gets the glory when I do well. In a culture of slaves and animals that work all the time, which is what, what the law was given to in the Old Testament. All in the Middle East, you had people who had slaves. They worked until they dropped. They got new ones. Here, this God of the Israelites comes along and says, 
one day a week, work six days, one day a week, everything stops. Everything stops. Everybody gets a break. Animals, slaves, you, employees, everybody. everybody it was unique in that culture at that time. We all know there are three things that we need to function as human beings. We need nutrition, we need exercise, and we need sleep. Somebody told me after the service last night that America is number one now. We've one more time gained number one. We beat Japan out this year for being the most sleep-deprived country in the world. I don't know that we want a gold star for that. So for those of us who maybe get little exercise and eat crummy processed food and don't get enough sleep, Sabbath could be a good deal. So when do we do it? That's the big debate. For thousands of years, Jewish people celebrated Sabbath and still do from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. That's the seventh day. Then some of those Jewish people 2,000 years ago started following this rabbi carpenter person named Jesus of Nazareth. And when he was executed by the state and raised from the dead, he was raised from the dead on the first day of the week, Sunday morning, as Acts would say, on the Lord's day. That's what we call it now. And so those Jewish people, over time in those early years, started worshiping and having Sabbath on the first day. So if you go to the Middle East today, Jewish people are called Saturday people, and Christians, or Jesus followers, are called Sunday people. And what's interesting about this is that before it was law, God did it. God rested on the seventh day in creation, so this predates law. He didn't just make this up. But after the law, religious types in the Jewish community, people called Pharisees, came along and they started adding stuff. Not only should you not work, but these are the ways you should not work. So the Old Testament is all the can'ts that you can't do. You know, you, you can't like walk this far and you can't do this or you can't do that. And they just started loading it up. And, and it got in the way of God's work. And Jesus was an observant Jew, but he challenged the Sabbath in certain places. You can see a lot of this in the Gospels. Here's, here's just one. Mark, the second chapter. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. That's work, okay? The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath, because that, that wasn't allowed. See, like if you broke your wrist on the Sabbath, you couldn't get it set until the next day. However, if your ox went in a ditch, now that's money. So you could get, you could get him out, because that's like an important. And he goes on to describe in this text in, in Mark second chapter, how the priests in the Old Testament ate the sacred bread as part of their, part of their work. And then he said to them this, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath was not created to have you have more burden. It was created so you would have less burden. Sabbath was created to rejuvenate you. It's about, it's about rest. Last night, a friend called me afterwards and said, I have this great acronym that somebody gave me, and it's this, rest, and it's up on the deal. Rest equals release everything starting today. I would suggest you put that on a sticky note and put it on your bathroom mirror. And just, that's not law, that's just a suggestion. Just, to, just put it up there because we, we need Sabbath moments. 
In those other six days, we need to be able to have a selah or take a deep breath. But so, so now we know what we're resting for. What are we resting from? We're resting from whatever we do on those other six days. That work. Point three, Sabbath is holy. Holy means to set apart, to consecrate. So here's God who comes along and says, remember the Sabbath to set it apart. Remember the Sabbath is someplace to focus, someplace other than our work. I do all of this for six days. Now, we live in a country that has both Saturday and Sunday people, so we get two days. You know, as somebody said, we get twice as much as God, you know, it, here, here in America. But I'm designed to do six days work and one day to restore my soul, and, and I focus someplace other than the work. And so, of the things we should do on that day, that refresh us for service and intellectually, physically, and spiritually, we'll, we'll come to more of that. The core question is this. Are those who have experienced the grace of God through Jesus, i.e. us, are we governed by Old Testament law? That's obviously and most often the big question about Sabbath. Paul speaks to it quite simply this way. In Colossians, the second chapter, it says, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So the, these are good things, but the reality of what it really means to rest, what it really means to be rejuvenated, are found in this person, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Or in Romans, the 14th chapter, one person considers one day more sacred than another, another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. How, whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. So it isn't as much about when we worship or when we rest as who we worship. That's the core idea. So we have law here and grace here. And scripture says that Jesus, the expression of God's grace toward us, comes to fill the law up. So how does that, what does that look like? I mean, he tried to help us by giving us these Ten Commandments. And we didn't do so well with the Ten Commandments. You know? And it's, it's like he comes along and says, well, why don't we distill it? Why don't we go for two and see how that works? So we have these two big ones. Love God with your whole heart, with your, all of your being. It's said several different ways. And love your neighbor as yourself. He comes. He lives dies for us to take away our sin, is resurrected, interceding for us now. Scripture says that he's at the right hand of the Father, talking to him on our behalf. I can almost hear him saying, God, Dad, help the, help the bald guy down there. You know, help. So he's interceding on our behalf and, how, and, and will someday come back to take us home to be with him or what some call eternal rest. As God the creator finished his work and rested, Jesus on the cross finished his work. He shouted, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit. He's done with his work. What was his work? His work was making sure that we got to be with him forever. His work was taking care of both junk 
so that he's, he's got a clean transcript so he can be with you and be with him forever. That's his work. And he rested from, he did it, it's done. And when we move into him, we build our lives around that fact that he's taking care of the work that I can't take care of. I can't do the eternal stuff. I can do the six day a week stuff, but I can't do the eternal stuff. In, in Hebrews, it says it this way, Hebrews, the fourth chapter, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Here I am spinning my wheels, trying to be good, trying to do good stuff, but it's not going to work. And he comes along and says, let me take care of that, and then we'll be together, and we'll do some stuff that lasts forever, like, like being a light at my work, or being a light on a campus, or being light on a half mile of hell in New Delhi. Let's do that. Maybe we celebrate this new life by seeing the Ten Commandments in a new way. Now, my mind works in like weird ways sometimes, and I get these funny thoughts. So I'm preparing this message, and the, the, the first thought that came to me, and then the second thought that came to me was this. Maybe the loving God part is like those first three commandments. Maybe I love God by having no other gods before him, by not making idols, and by not misusing his name, by walking in true authority. And maybe I love my neighbor by those last six, so I don't lie and I honor my parents and I don't steal the guy's stuff or try to steal his wife or anything. So, so that's loving my neighbor. Maybe this fourth one is that phrase, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Maybe this is about loving me. Maybe the Sabbath is about restoring me so that I can do these other two things more completely. Maybe that's it. And that, you know, if, if I don't love me, it's impossible for me to love you because it's all about me. But if, if in my quiet, if in this Sabbath pause, I start understanding who I am and what I'm for, then these other pieces start playing out better. We Sabbath, and I'll use it as a verb, we Sabbath not because of law, but because of spirit. The Old Testament law says this is what you can't do on a Sabbath. New Testament, I think, in the grace of Jesus says, here's what you can do. How about this? We stop our work to remember Jesus' work. When we pause to say, God, thanks for what you've done for me. I didn't have a snowball's chance in July of being a whole person. I didn't. I just didn't. And, and you... You took away my junk and gave me your grace, and thank you for that. And, and when I'm in a little deal where this person has offended me or hurt me, and, and I know I should forgive them, but I don't want to because it feels right and I can hold them in bondage just a little longer, you know. He speaks to me and says, now, Foth, why don't, why don't you just reflect on everything I've done for you and put it in perspective, and then let's see how you do on forgiveness over here. So it's about reflecting on Jesus' work in my life. Also, number two would be we, we connect with Jesus and his people. And I borrowed a couple of these from some folks I've been listening to because I think they put it well. We connect with Jesus and his people. That's part of what this is, our Sabbath. Now, it's not as much of a Sabbath for me because I'm doing this, but, but for us together collectively, this is part of a Sabbath. And we're together with Jesus' people. There's another way of saying it. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That's the that's part. Because you learn about yourself and about God from other people. That's how that works. And, and we, have, 
we have like four services here on a Sunday. You see, I know we got Saturday night. No, no, no. We have the service out there before you come in here where you're connecting and getting the double shot latte, soy, whatever. And, and then we have this one. And then when you go out, we'll have another one out there. And then some of you even had a little service in the parking lot. And, and then when we leave this place, we say the service begins now. Because during those other six days, there's still stuff going on. You're still connecting with people in little Sabbath moments. The third thing is we do things that restore our souls. We do things that restore our souls. How, how is your soul restored? Like, I think it's different for each person. Um, but maybe your soul is restored. However it's restored, it's by doing something different than those other six days. Okay, that's work. I restore my soul this way. So I take a nap, or I go on a hike, or I connect with family and friends. Or somebody suggested, try doing opposites. If you're a person who works with his or her hands all week, why don't you read a book? Why don't you watch something? Why don't you just hang out and not do something with your hands? And for somebody who's a desk person, maybe you need to go do something with your hands. Maybe you need to get physical in some way. Now, Ruth, my wife, is a gardener. And I don't, I, 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 I just confess, I don't get that exactly. I, I'm, I'm a lawnmower. You know, she grows stuff. I cut it off. And, and <laughs> but, but I say, Ruth, why do you like, because she's excited about pulling weeds out of stuff. And I'm saying, why do you do that? And she looks at me with a look that says, if you had half a brain, you would, well, it's not quite that much, two-thirds of a brain. But, but she says, Dick, and she's a farm girl, right? She was raised in central California with almonds and peaches and grapes. She said, when I dig in the dirt, when I get my hands in the dirt, it's elemental. It connects me to creation and then she'll look at me and smile, that beautiful smile, and say, it restores my soul. Well, I thought restoring your soul was like a spiritual deal where God had to come down and write on them. No, how about digging around the roses? It could restore one's soul. And finally, we mirror the rhythms of God. We mirror the rhythms of God. Six in one, six days work. But Sabbath is a gift God gives us to make our lives work with joy. Or to put it another way, take a break before you break. Take a break before you break. I had this sort of cheesy little thought, this idea that sometimes I get these. And, it, and it's just that if I could say it in a sentence, I'd say it this way. If it's good enough for God, it's good enough for me. Why don't we say it together? If it's good enough for God, it's good enough for me. One more time. If it's good enough for God... It's good enough for me. You say, that's like an awkward phrase. Yeah, but you might remember it. The point is that Jesus is our real rest. In him we get both rest and set-apartness holy at the same time. He restores my soul and sets me on right paths. In him we get refreshed souls and right paths all at one shot. This is how Jesus says it very simply and directly to the people around him in his culture. And, and he says it today to you in your, in our frenetic, always connected, never down, rarely down, 
always aware of this stuff over here. This is what he says to us. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus comes to us and blocks our road, and he says, hey, you want some of this? When you get this, you get rest for your souls, and you get right direction. Shall we pray? Thank you, Father, for this moment together. And just in this quiet moment, I'll speak to you with our heads bowed and no one looking at me, if you don't mind. If you're here and you're a believer, you, you're a Jesus follower, would you say, I am a Jesus follower, but I'm struggling with this Sabbath piece. I'm, not, I'm running from pillar to post, and i got to tell you, Dick, I am absolutely worn out today, and I just need to be refreshed. And you would, as an act of trust, you'd slip up your hand and say, I'm worn out, but I'd like you to include me in the prayer, in your prayer at the end of our time. Would you just slip your hand up? Just let me see. Just wherever you are, just, yeah, lots of us. Lots of us, yeah. Father, thank you that you care about the fatigue of your people. You care about the places where we just feel like the life has drained out of our fingertips. We have given so much or done so much or gone so many places that we hardly know who we are or where we are. We pray in this moment that you will just wrap your arms around these friends and hold them with a grip like all eternity and by your spirit let their souls start being refreshed even in this moment because they have called to you. With our heads still bowed, you may be here and you say, Dick, I'm not one of those Jesus followers. I'm, I'm here. Somebody invited me or I visited a few times and I've heard about Jesus before, but I've never, it's never really spoken to me in this way and it's sort of a cumulative effect. But, but I think that this morning, that this is my time to start a journey with him, that I want to know not just daily rest, but eternal rest. I want to know that my life is assured going forward. I want to know forgiveness of my past and the setting of your future. And I don't know what that means, but I'm willing to raise my hand and start today. And you lift your hand up. Yes, I see you. Yes, yes, I see you. Lift it high wherever you are. Yes, I see you. Great, great, wonderful. Numbers of us. I got to tell you, that's... Don't for a moment feel any kind of queasiness or embarrassment. That is the most fantastic thing you could ever do, and I'd like to pray for you. Father, thank you for these dear friends who have lifted a hand, who said, I believe what I've heard this morning. I don't fully grasp it, but I want to know more, and I want to give what I know of me to what I understand of Jesus in this moment. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Make me a new man or a new woman or a new child. Take away my junk and give me a new life and a new start. I don't need to be reformed. I need to be transformed. 
for doing that. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I can run out on him, but he never runs out on me. Our prayer team members are coming, even as I speak, are going to come and be here at the front. And if any of you has a particular need, I mean, we got 1,500 people in the room and in the south or wherever. we got a lot of folks here. There are lots of needs. There's probably a broken heart in every row. That's just how life is. But if you'd like just a moment personally with someone to pray with you, this is the time as we close the service and go out and you come this way instead of going that way just for a few moments. That'd be great. If you raised your hand and said, Dick, I'm, I'm worn out, left out, and I want in, and I, I want to start a journey with Jesus, we have a gift for you. On these stairs over here, over here, or at the... Um, central services back there, guest services. One of these little packets is just like a starter kit to say, okay, I, I raised my hand, but now what do we do? This is just a little help to help get you started, and we'll see you back again next week, and it'll be great. Welcome to the family. We love that. So let's, let's try our cheesy phrase one more time. On the count of three, and the phrase is, if it's good enough for God, good enough for me. Hey, here we go. One, two, three. If it's good enough for God, it's good enough for me. I love the benediction part. It's the good word. Benediction is Latin. It's the only Latin I really know, and it means good word. And I thought it'd be great because Sabbath is holy. It's set apart that we just sing an old hymn just to close. Many of you know it. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. And we're just going to crank it up, and we're not going to drag it. But we're just going to sing a couple verses, and then we're all out of here. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to Have a great week. The service begins now. God bless you.